Chapter Fourteen of Eben Holden. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Roger Moline. Eben Holden: A Tale of the North Country by Irving Bachelor. Chapter Fourteen. Hope's love of music became a passion after that night. Young Mister Livingston, the city chap we had met at the church, came over next day. His enthusiasm for her voice gave us all great hope of it. David Brower said he would take her away to the big city when she was older. They soon decided to send her in September to the big school in Hillsborough. "'She's got to be a lady,' said David Brower, as he drew her into his lap the day we had all discussed the matter. "'She's learnt everything in the arithmetic and geography and speller.' I wanted to learn something more scientific. "'Now you're talking,' said Uncle Eb. "'There's lots of things you can't learn by ciphering. Nothing's too good for hope.' "'I'd like to know what you men expect of her anyway,' said Elizabeth Brower. "'A high stepper,' said Uncle Eb. "'We want a slick coat, a kind of a toppy head, and a lot of ginger.' So it when we hitch her to the pole, by and by, we shan't be ashamed of her. Exactly, said David Brower, laughing. And then she shall have the best harness in the market. Hope did not seem to comprehend all the rustic metaphors that had been applied to her. A look of puzzled amusement came over her face, and then she ran away into the garden, her hair streaming from under her white sunbonnet. "'Never seen such a beauty. Beats the world,' said Uncle Eb in a whisper, whereat both David and Elizabeth shook their heads. "'Lord a mercy! Don't let her know it,' Elizabeth answered in a low tone. "'She's beginning to have—' Just then Hope came by us, leading her pet filly that had been born within the month. Immediately Mrs. Brower changed the subject. "'To have what?' David inquired as soon as the girl was out of hearing. "'Suspicions,' said Elizabeth mournfully. "'Spends a good deal of her time at the looking-glass. I think the other girls tell her, and then that young Livingston has been turning her head.' "'Turning her head!' he exclaimed. "'Turning her head,' she answered. "'He sat here the other day, and deliberately told her that he had never seen such a complexion and such lovely hair. Elizabeth Brower mocked his accent with a show of contempt that feebly echoed my own emotions. "'That's the way of city folks, mother,' said David. "'It's a bad way,' she answered. "'I do not think he ought to come here. Hope's a child yet, and we mustn't let her get notions.' "'I'll tell him not to come any more,' said David, as he and Uncle Eb rose to go to their work. "'I'm afraid she ought not to go away to school for a year yet,' said Elizabeth, a troubled look in her face. "'Pshaw, mother! You can't keep her under your wings always,' said he. "'Well, David, you know she is very young and uncommonly—' she hesitated. "'Handsome!' said he. We might as well own up if she is our child. If she goes away, continued Elizabeth, 
Some of us ought to go with her. Then Uncle Eb and David went to their work in the fields, and I to my own task. That very evening they began to talk of renting the farm and going to town with the children. I had a stent of cording wood that day and finished it before two o'clock. Then I got my pole of mountain ash, made hook and line ready, dug some worms, and went fishing. I cared not so much for the fishing as for the solitude of the woods. I had a bit of thing to do. In the thick timber there was a place where Tinkle Brook began to hurry and break into murmurs on a pebble bar as its feet were tickled. A few more steps and it burst into a peal of laughter that lasted half the years as it tumbled over narrow shelves of rock into a foamy pool. Many a day I had sat fishing for hours at that little fall under a birch tree among the brakes and moss. No ray of sunlight ever got to the dark water below me, the lair of many a big fish that had yielded to the temptation of my bait. Here I lay in the cool shade while a singular sort of heart-sickness came over me. A wild partridge was beating his gong in the near woods all the afternoon. The sound of the water seemed to break in the treetops and fall back upon me. I had lain there thinking an hour or more when I caught the jar of approaching footsteps. Looking up, I saw Jed Feary coming through the bushes, pole in hand. "'Fishin?' he asked. "'Only thinking,' I answered. "'Couldn't be in better business,' said he, as he sat down beside me. More than once he had been my father confessor, and I was glad he had come. "'In love?' he asked. "'No boy ever thinks unless he's in love.' "'In trouble,' said I. "'Same thing,' he answered, lighting his pipe. Love is trouble with a bit of sugar in it, the sweetest trouble a man can have. What's the matter? It's a great secret, I said. I have never told it. I am in love. Knew it, he said, puffing at his pipe and smiling in a kindly way. Now let's put in the trouble. She does not love me, I answered. "'Glad of it,' he remarked. "'I've got a secret to tell you.' "'What's that?' I inquired. "'Wouldn't tell anybody else for the world, my boy,' he said. "'It's between you and me.' "'Between you and me,' I repeated. "'Well,' he said, "'you're a fool.' "'That's no secret,' I answered, much embarrassed. "'Yes, it is,' he insisted. "'You're smart enough, and you can have most anything in this world if you take the right road. "'You've grown to be a great big strapping fellow, but you're only sixteen? "'That's all,' I said mournfully. "'You're as big a fool to go fallin' in love as I'd be. "'You're too young, and I'm too old. "'I say to you, wait!' You've got to go to college. College? I exclaimed incredulously. Yes, and that's another secret, said he. 
I told David Brower what I thought of your writing that essay on bugs in particular, and I told him what people were saying of your work in school. What did he say? I asked. Said Hope had told him all about it, that she was as proud of you as she was of her curls, and I believe it. Well, says I, you ought to send that boy to college. Going to, says he. He'll go to the academy this fall if he wants to. Then he can go to college soon's he's ready. Threw up my hat and shouted I was that glad. As he spoke, the old man's face kindled with enthusiasm. In me he had one who understood him, who saw truth in his thought, music in his verse, a noble simplicity in his soul. I took his hand in mine and thanked him heartily. Then we rose and came away together. Remember, he said as we parted at the corner, there's a way laid out for you. In God's time it'll lead to every good thing you desire. Don't jump over the fence. Don't try to pass any milestone before you've come to it. Don't mope. Keep your head cool with philosophy your feet warm with travel, and don't worry about your heart. It won't turn to stone if you do keep it a while. Always have enough of it about you to do business with. Goodbye. End of chapter 14 Recording by Roger Moline